Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Tom Downey, Charity Manager at Tiltify. We speak about the world of online gaming, the communities within it, and how charities can and should be engaging with them. This world of gaming strikes me as a new frontier for charities to explore, with an engaged and often engaging, not to mention younger audience than other types of fundraising. It's well worth learning about... And there's no one more engaging, magnanimous and jovial than Tom. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our Platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tom Downey speaking about charities and the world of gaming. Here we are. It's, uh, it's February 2022 and I'm delighted to be joined by charity manager at Tiltify, Tom Downey. Hello, Tom. How you doing? Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. I should have worn my uh, t- oh, this is podcast. They it? won't it see us. They won't no, see. No, I was going wearing. to. No, it's going to wear like my branded stuff, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll, uh, let's pretend I am. Let's pretend I'm fully, fully branded out. <laughs> this is all. It's absolutely. It's, it's you know. My my wife says I've got a. Uh, well, she doesn't say I've got a face for radio, but I think she says I've got a voice for radio. So that's that's fine. Because here we are on the uh, the most recent evolution of radio podcasts we've spoken some time ago on the podcast about gaming for good what does this mean today and how is your work at tiltify helping to support uh, this for charities yeah uh, well gaming for good is a myth it doesn't exist uh it's absolute rubbish and every charity should stop trying to focus on it <laughs> that's that's my my fundamental belief uh, and i think that the more people that adopt that as a mentality the better the entire fundraising sector will be the reason being is that um there's a lot of common misconceptions with with gaming for good and inverted commas uh, i speak to a lot of charities who try to put on their their own um uh, events or uh, esports competitions or oh, yeah. all this sort of stuff which you know conceptually is is a fun idea but, and, and, you know, maybe for awareness, if that's your primary objective, fabulous. But from a fundraising perspective, uh, gaming for good, it's, it's, it, it, it doesn't really exist. And we'll flesh that concept out sure. okay. a lot yeah. more to see where all of these rumors have started and why, it, why this space is so successful in fundraising. Yeah. But it's, it's very much not because of the games would be my argument. Right, okay. Okay, so what, well, what is it that you're, so you're, you work for Tiltify, what, and your, your, yeah. your job is liaising with charities in, for, in the kind of gaming space, is that, is that fair? To get them, yeah, to get them to focus more on gaming. No, no, no not quite. <laughs> so the, the model of uh, gaming, for, gaming for Good, um, you'll, you'll have been familiar, there's a number of uh, world famous charity fundraisers that, have, that, that are centred around gaming. But sure. the real 
value comes not from the games itself, but from the personalities behind the games or rather right, okay. who are playing them. Yeah. So each one of these people, each one of these uh, influencers, content creators, celebrities, however, however you choose to refer to them, uh, are, have a community around them. They are loved by their community, maybe mocked by their community sometimes, much like uh, watching, I don't know if you ever watch breakfast TV or something like that, and people sure. will tweet at something like that. Uh, it, they have a community around them. And so when it comes time to ask, they might be playing some games when they, but they might make a game the center of it, but the real reason people are giving is because of the person doing the mm, fundraising, not because sure. of the game they're playing. Okay. And that's a really, really important differentiator because you'll see a lot of charities uh, when they're trying to market their things saying, you know, uh, play these retro games. And there is a whole retro gaming community, but it's very niche. Mm -hmm. uh, or you'll see, um, you know, game for 24 hours. And they're really targeting these as as mass participation events, as if they're designed for a London to Brighton bike ride or a London marathon sure. or, or or something maybe that's less London. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> trying to target them in a way that is familiar to event fundraising, but what you really need to think about it is, is community fundraising at its core, regional fundraising even, uh, considering the digital space as a region as opposed to an event. Being more maybe being more donor centered in terms of who are who is the who are the people that are actually playing the games rather than the games that the people are playing that kind of mentality. Yeah, so yeah. much the same way that uh, I uh, as, as we're on a podcast, uh, I'll use I'll use radio as a as a metaphor. Um, in the same way that uh, radio is like you don't you playing music on the radio doesn't make money for charities, right? Uh, but the radio DJs themselves will have people who love to phone in. And when it comes time to do children in need, you know, Terry Wogan would have doffed his cap and asked everyone to donate, but he wouldn't have been playing songs for charity. Right. Uh, and he also the other really cool thing about this space is that when you do look at the what I like to refer to as interactive fundraising uh, or influencer fundraising, or, or mm. there's lots of other terms, content creation. Um, you can, uh, where was I going with this? A, a lot of these people, they are not good gamers at all. They're not, right. they're not talented uh, sure, at games. Sure. What they're talented at is talking, is having fun, much like a radio DJ might be very, very good at engaging the audience, getting people to enjoy the drive time commute, but they couldn't pick up an instrument to save their life. Um, and I guess for, for people listening to this, I mean, I'd, I'd hazard a guess that a lot of people, I, I wouldn't say mo I don't, maybe most of us, have played computer games. I mean, I think back to my most prolific gaming period was playing the likes of GoldenEye on the N64. Now, that's going to age me for our listeners. Um, and uh, But that, you know, for me, the enjoyment of those, playing those games or Call of Duty, all these types of things, it was the, the banter the chat with your mates when you're sat around either in person or, or online, you're, you're talking to each other about the game, you know, playing the game, talking about life, talking about all these, you know, just being mates, right? And then you just happen to be in that one place together playing that one game. So in terms of charities talking to these on a, on a small scale, it's like a, a group of people playing a computer game. It's the, it's the conversation between those people. Um, is that kind of a, an analogy to yeah, see how the a, kind of charity that's a better way of yeah. that's a better way of referring to it. But it's what what becomes really interesting is how the donations come about. So once we've established who this community are, so let's say yeah. it is a group of friends, uh, we've got four people. They're playing. Uh, you mentioned Call of Duty. They're playing Call of Duty, uh, and they've set themselves a hilarious challenge 
of trying to do the whole thing walking backwards. The controller's <laughs> the wrong way around, whatever. They can set themselves any sort of quiz challenge. Now, this group of four people, they have now, uh, maybe two of them happen to have quite a good online presence. Perhaps they stream on a semi-regular basis or regular. Maybe they're going to garner uh, 15 viewers, let's say. And that's, that's, a, that's a small amount, but it's a yeah. good amount. And sure. these 15 viewers uh, relate heavily to two, maybe three of the four people who are broadcasting. And mm. they'll be having a chat and they'll be doing all these sort of things. But why is anyone going to donate to this? This is where the next question comes in. So cool, they're going to be playing this game, they're, they're, however they're going to be playing it. Uh, why is anyone going to donate? Well, um, if this was a uh, London to Brighton bike ride, as an example of an event, if it was that sort of event, why would you sponsor someone doing that? Well, it's a, it's a tough challenge. Um, they really care about the cause uh, and they're asking you and you want to give. So those are those are like three good reasons to do. So yeah, if you yeah. were taking part in that event, you might send me an email saying, hello, Tom, I'm doing this bike ride. Would you please sponsor me? And I would get my fundraising link through the email and I'd say, ah, wonderful, Sam. Yes, of course. Here, take three pounds. I'm not feeling very generous. Three pounds. <laughs> no, we'll say 10, we'll say 10. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, here's £10. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, huzzah. And that will probably be the end of our, our back and forth that we sure. have. Sure. Now, you might get in touch with me again because let's pretend we work together. You might say, oh, we're going to be in a dress down day at work. And you say, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going around to the bucket. Throw your pounds in. Great. Uh, maybe I live near you and you're deciding to do a pub quiz. Cool, I'll come to your pub quiz. Here's a little bit of extra. But you're fundraising over a period of probably six to eight months. Yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. Mate, yeah. That's probably an exaggeration. That's probably more Kilimanjaro marathon. But it's a long period of time is the, sure. is the, is the example I'm giving here. Now, in the digital space and in this game playing thing, what's happening is the most, most of the fundraising isn't going to happen before the event. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, if I was one of these four people playing Call of Duty, I'm not going to send an email out to my friends and family six to eight weeks ahead of me playing some computer games with some friends saying, please sponsor me because I'm playing some games. So that's, right. that's not really going to happen. Also, with this age demographic uh, that we're targeting here, that we, that we look at, uh, email is redundant. So are we talking about kind of young people? Is there a kind of a, a rough yeah, age 40. range? Yeah. Uh, 40, 16 okay. to 40 is, is in, in my mind, that is who I target. Sure. Um, sure. That Now, I that does, does include people that I would refer to as young at heart. But young at heart here does not mean, you know, I like to skip through the fields. It's young at heart. <laughs> I know how to use all this tech. Sure. It's the new sure. young at heart. Yeah. <laughs> so we shall coin that phrase. It's the Gen Z millennial. Right. And uh, that, that we're looking at here. So email is dead. Don't, you know, I, I'm getting spams from everyone. I've just, I, don't, I don't care about email. I'll use it for work and that's about it. Um, and maybe for tracking the odd delivery. It kind of builds into, we've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, the kind of the different channels that people are using. And I mean, you know, like you, I, I read somewhere that on average, people are getting like 200 emails a day. And I'm pro that's Surprise probably me. accurate for me, I think. I'm probably around 200 emails a day. Um, if you and so that's the junk. A, well, the, yeah, but there's a just, there's the a spam. lot, isn't there? There's a lot coming through all the time. But equally, then people are on social media all the time. People are, if people are on these um, kind of streaming sites, that's also their, their chosen form of communication in some cases. This, right? is, this is exactly it. You're looking at being where they are. 
sure. as a charity. So we'll, co- we'll come to the recruitment in a, in a second, because there is a whole sort of conversation to be had around that. But in terms of how the fundraiser uh, is going to raise money for their Call of Duty game that they're about to play, that they have chosen as well. It's important noting that the charity hasn't marketed, play Call of Duty for charity. They're just saying, get involved, fundraise for us. And these people have seen, yeah, I want to fundraise, let's do this thing. Giving them the, the freedom of creativity. So they're not going to email other people, how are they going to do it? They'll probably send out a tweet, maybe a week before, uh, possibly forgetting to include a fundraising link. That happens far too often, but say la vie saying on you know friday from two till two i'm making up some time things uh gmt always include the time zone oh right yeah uh because you know international viewership yeah uh from these these times uh come and tune in come and say hi uh we'll be doing these things and there's lots of things to get involved in Mm. ah now that that's where the the bait starts coming in and so the the reason why sort of tiltify is the most successful platform in this space and why you keep hearing it coming up and over and over again is the interactivity that it allows. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into sales pitch mode because if you want that, you just go on a website. But if uh, it does sort of things like live updating totalizers, which sounds so basic and obvious, but no one else that, that functionality doesn't exist mm. in, in mm. honest without having to hit F5. You know, these right, sort of right, little right. subtle details that people who are content creators mm. want immediately just have everything happen for them because yeah. why shouldn't they? It's 2022. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're busy, right? I, I mean, think, they're busy giving the content in real time to their audience. Absolutely. They don't want to have to be doing like admin do. all the time, do they? No. And then you've got the the interactivity element. So let's say uh, you and I plus two friends, uh, Vicky and Kev, let's say, hypothetically, uh, we're all sitting around our, our uh, computers at home, uh, social isolation, uh, playing our games, chatting away. Oh, no, you killed me, Sam. Why would you do that? <laughs> um, and uh, what's going to happen now is uh, we're going to put a question to the to the 15 people watching. Right. We're going to say, uh, We've been having some banter, We've been having some some fresh, fresh banter. You're getting really angry at me because I like pineapple on pizza. It's a hypothetical. I know everyone likes pineapple on pizza, but we'll just go. I with love this. pineapple on pizza. Exactly. Yeah, but pre- pretend you don't. Just okay. The, All right. I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're, we're having a bit of back and forth. We'll put it to a vote. Um, so in standard practice on you know Twitter or Facebook, you can do voting. These sort of things mm. happen. What we do here is we just enable it as a fundraising element. So I'm going to say, guys, uh, donate to yes or no. You'll right. put the, the question and people can vote for whatever answer they want. And this engages an audience. Sure. So suddenly you've got four or five people will donate seven or eight pounds to, to one answer. Someone else will see that happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are they all saying it doesn't belong on the pizza? So I'm personally like, well, I'm furious. I'm going to stick a tenner on there. So now you've got the, the, the person doing the fundraising donating. You'll do these sort of things. And then it starts to build and it creates this this sort of uh, culture of giving within the mm. community, even though it's a fundraising ask. Uh, content creators are, especially in front of an audience, they are sat in front of people real time, constantly yeah. communicating. So it's a lot easier to regularly ask. Mm. And there's a lot of other things, you know, when I get to 500 pounds, I'm going to try and do a push up. God knows I can't. So, uh, you know, I, I get to 500 pounds. It's like, oh, okay, right. We're going to, we're going to do it. Tom's going to do a push up. Oh, this is going to be awkward. Oh, I wish I didn't raise this money or I'm going to have to eat a chili. Ah! And 
and all of these things. And again, yeah. stuff like live interactivity. If you've watched some streams, you know, when donations come through, mm. uh, alerts go off, you know, you get totally customizable. So if you donated, you could set it so that, you know, if anyone who donates over 50 pounds, the entire screen fills up with fireworks. You, 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 right, you can do that okay. sort of thing. So as a viewer, I could be like, I'm going to annoy everyone and donate 50 pounds. They call that trolling for good, which I okay. do believe is a real thing. Wow. And that's something that you can really engage with. Someone's streaming and they're kind of doing a fundraising thing, then they can deliberately put in certain activities or something that's going to maybe kind of be a bit mad or whatever. And, and to encourage those people that are going to say, yeah, I'll give you 50 pounds so that you have to eat chili or so that you have to do something that you might yeah. want, to, want to do. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, I mean, there's so, so many examples. There was a wonderful uh, woman fundraising special effect last year, but she set all of these hilarious goals and she'll be, I imagine she'll be doing the fundraiser again this year. And when she gets the 10,000 pounds, she's going to dress up as a potato. Like it sounds yeah. so, so like, <laughs> so like why is why is that a thing but when you've got two three hundred people watching yeah. and they all really like you and you're only asking once a year for fundraising it's like you know we only all need to put in three quid and we're gonna get there this is hilarious let's do it it's, it's like the foundation of that the success of the ice bucket challenge in a way isn't it that people wanted to see their friends and family just humiliating themselves getting freezing cold you know it's yeah, I'll give you a couple of good for it's that. It's exactly that. And yeah. what it allows is if you take the ice bucket challenge mentality and then you take the telephone mentality where, you know, you've got your children need-esque things, you are effectively giving anyone in the world the freedom to host their own telethon. Mm. And that's pretty unique and incredibly valuable, as we have seen from telethons. The principle is that these are charities should see these types of things as events rather than sponsor me to do this thing because they're in real time and they're about you know that kind of that the yeah the analogy of a, a tele telephone or is it telethon telethon isn't it a telethon I, I think it's telethon isn't it yeah and um i think telephone is that french for telephone i don't know but a telethon yeah, or uh you know or or yes yeah, a real time almost like a kind of comic relief style tv thing but it's on a computer it's all streaming um i realize everyone's listening to this thing like why you know you're talking like an old geezer everyone knows this but um the i suppose then the the question is how and you're you're charity manager at tiltify so how can charities try and get into this space are they are mm. they really should they be setting up their own streams and trying to build their own audience with that or should they be appealing to those that already have streams how should how should they kind of approach it there are so many different ways which i know is not the answer that anyone wants to hear uh pe people want a, people want a rule book right yeah <laughs> it's just absolutely. like if you yeah. do these four things you will raise 10 million what's the secret Tom? <laughs> so yeah. there's a couple of things and um the, the first thing that we sort of harp on about if you like but it's it's with good reason is don't other your audiences. Mm. Now, what that means is don't try to segment them out. So if you had uh, an event that was pretty, pretty broad, let's say a, 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 a coffee morning type thing, um, as an example. So you've got that's a pretty common charity thing that probably singles out a couple of charities, but not intentionally. I'm just sort of choosing something quite generic. That yeah, is yeah. Low impact sure. in terms of uh, physical activity as opposed to uh, fundraising. So take coffee morning or something like that. Now, if you were promoting that in the month of May, let's say uh, you would 
push that out to everyone. You want everyone to be able to take part in this event because it's it's a big fundraiser. It's a big community fundraiser. You're going to want uh, celebrities holding their coffee cup on Twitter saying, I, I'm having a coffee, are you? And you'll want uh, the, you know, vicars and local communities to be hosting them and, and local hairdressers doing, you know, you want everyone to be involved. What often has happened in the charity sector is they will say, cool, we're going to create this coffee morning event for everybody except the gaming community. And we're going to create an 8-bit coffee mug and they will use this platform and they will only fundraise here. And they're not going to, their total isn't going to be past the, and they, they create them as if they are, you know, some sort of mythical being that doesn't really exist. Ultimately, uh, and we've seen this time and time again, we see people who have fundraised taking part in these uh, digital uh, interactive fundraising events go on to do coffee mornings and runs and all sorts of things because right. they care about the cause. Sure. They don't care about how they're going to be doing it. And so when the ask comes that says, you know, play this particular game this January, it's like, mm, no, not many people are going to take part in it. It's, I, I want to feel like I belong to the charity. I'm not just mm. an add-on or a bolt-on to the charity. I want to feel like I'm, I'm there. So so, so broad, I suppose, is the, is the headline to that massive essay of commentary. Um, keeping it broad, uh, also uh, in terms of recruitment, you have to learn the language. Mm -hmm. So the people uh, in this community, of course, that you know, well, I mean, they speak languages all across the world, but they, you know, in the, the countries that you're operating in, they will be speaking a language which you are mostly familiar with, English, fundamentally. Um, but there's all of this other stuff that comes with that and it's much the same way that if i was to uh, sam where, where in the country are you based just for i'm, I'm based in uh bedfordshire in a little village bedfordshire perfect yeah. okay cool so we'll say you're uh you're i'm just making a hypothetical here you're Please. a regional yep. fundraiser in bedford now sure. uh, congratulations on your thank new promotion you. thank you uh you're in charge of bedford um because you live there you know what the the local funny things are that happened. You're you're up to date with the local things. You've made an effort to reach out to the local community. You've probably got the Bedfordshire accent. Is there one? I don't know. I don't um, know. This I, is no, it. I've never given it. This yeah, is this, this is, is the Bedfordshire oh, so accent. Bedfordshire. This accent. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> this guy, Captain Beds over here. <laughs> Jeez. Um, now, what probably wouldn't work is to make you uh, cool. We've got a we've got a vacancy opened up. We'd like you to be a regional manager in Liverpool. Right. Uh, so you're going to move, to, you're, you're going to stay where you are, you're going to stay living where you are, but you are now a regional fundraiser in Liverpool. Go and make and there's money from Liverpudlians. That's the kind of yeah. the brief. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what might you do with that? You're going to think, now this is, I'm going to go in some harsh stereotypes here. So just go, go with me on this. You're going to be like, it. cool, Liverpool, what have they got? The Beatles. Right. We're going to do a Beatles fundraiser. Uh, we're going to get everyone to dress up as the Beatles in Liverpool for charity. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so you're going to be starting to potentially play on stereotypes yeah. or not really understand what the local issues are, what people think of your cause. You have to do your basic ground regional research. Sure. And so if you are going to the space, the idea of just sticking a whole bunch of adverts on Facebook with some 8-bit pixel things saying game for us, it falls flat every time. I'm right. yet to see a truly successful charity in this space that hasn't engaged with the community at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have to engage. And so you need to spend some time and effort, and I'm sorry, it's not just free money, uh, actually, um, you know, meeting these people potentially in the flesh, like you would with a high value donor. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you had, uh, I don't know, um, uh, Lenny Henry, comic relief guy, if he was going yeah. to do a fundraiser for you, you know, he's probably got the potential to bring in a million. 
you're not going to want to just send them an email saying a generic email. <laughs> you, you're going to want to try Dear and meet Lenny. the guy or have an in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And well, it's the I guess, same I guess that makes sense. Isn't it? And I suppose that's, that's, that's good fundraising generally, isn't it, really? You know, the idea that you're... And, and in a lot of cases, um, it's being responsive to your existing audience and the opportunities that come your way. It might be that the charity gets um, first gets involved in something like this because one of their supporters um, has benefited from the charity or knows the charity or has done something else for the charity and then says, I'm also a gamer, I'm also an influencer or whatever, um, and I'd like to do something for you. And then I suppose it's for the charity to then take that and, and make the most of that opportunity, right? Yeah, in a nutshell, absolutely. We're, we're talking of some of these streamers. I mean, I'm I'm getting old, you know, but I'm I still uh, enjoy watching YouTube videos. And there are a few people I subscribe to. I suppose that's the I sometimes kind of thing like watching about, a right? YouTube. <laughs> I, I like to watch the YouTube, and uh, you know, I and I know that. Um, that game streamers, um, in some cases, they can have millions of followers and fans. Oops. And I guess that sounds like a great opportunity for charities who are potentially thinking, well, that's, you know, that exposure is next to nothing else. You know, we've got no opportunity to do that unless we can pay for TV advertising. Um, so obviously that's, that's a big draw for charities. I guess um, also when I think about YouTube, when I think about social media, there is that risk of, and we talked about it in a, in a kind of positive context, but trolling. Mm. And, you know, the, I suppose if, if charities are looking at these things as events, obviously, you know, if it, was a, if it was a charity run or a gala dinner or something like that, you know, the charity would go in feeling very responsible for the type of content at that event, wouldn't they? And in terms of, you know, if people start getting really smashed and start, you know, yelling or swearing or, you know, saying offensive stuff, I guess they have less control over what happens on a on one of these game streaming events. Should they be worrying about that? Are there things they can be doing? I argue they actually have more control. So uh, just to sort of counter that, which is that there are... For, for one, if someone hypothetically was doing a fundraiser for a charity and it was deeply inappropriate for whatever reason, uh, the charity has the ability to just turn off their fundraising page. Like we've right. never had to do it, or I think we've like done it like less times than there are on my fingers in my hand. But right. it, it's very it's, it's and you've easy done thousands and, of these types of events, oh, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, monthly thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like it's it, the percentage is is low. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is that. It uh, a lot of these ones, these people who are broadcasting will mostly be broadcasting on Twitch or, as you say, YouTube, maybe Facebook. Less so, the, the live functionality there isn't quite as advanced as it is on on other platforms. They'll be live on there, but they have to meet these particular websites' terms of condition, terms and conditions right. to be able to broadcast. So they're not going to be able to get away with nudity or violence. Or if they're swearing, they can put an eighteen filter on there where it says, you know, you, the the viewer must be over eighteen. Whereas if this was uh, a village fair and as a fundraiser for a local what's to stop the local drunk turning up and pissing on the stage mm. you know there, there's actually there, there are a lot more uh barriers to protect these events and yeah. and by and large we see it the trolling that we see as a general rule as i mentioned tends to be fairly positive it's in a good light um the uh, much like you know the internet is a scary and dangerous place for sure i'm not going to sort of rule that out but from a charity perspective um it's it, it, the the risk is low
And I guess all of these sites, so you talk uh, kind of there's, there's Twitch and, and uh, YouTube and, and, and Tiltify itself. You, I mean, picking up, you know, negative comments or, or chat that is seemed, deemed as inappropriate. I mean, you, presumably you haven't got people sat there looking at this stuff all the time, taking it off. There's, there's kind of a, a way, an automated way of taking this stuff off, which the charities or whoever's setting it up can can use when they're setting up these events. I was going to make so. some sort of fantastical lie saying, we've actually got 2,000 members of staff. <laughs> Whose job it is? It's just, just one guy, time. Ted. He's yeah. great. There's, there's so much. He's very tired. Like a thousand Massive screens in front of him at all times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, as part of the technological revolution, I suppose, that, that, that can kind of censor some of the negative stuff that's going on. Yeah, we no, I was just going to say, we've got the, the automators, you know, that block out the swearing words. But the other side of the internet is... Um, there are new offensive words coming out all the time that we have no idea about. Right. Um, different communities will have things that are deemed offensive. I could call you uh, a cool dude, but you would know that because of the community that we're in, that's the most offensive thing I could ever call you. Uh, like, no one's I ever called me that before. I'll be honest. Uh, own it, own it. I remember when I was about 17, I bought these fantastic flares, like really cool flares, because yeah. I was like a really grungy emo kid. And uh, I went around my auntie's house and I was wearing them. I have a chain on my belt. And she referred to, she said, oh, that's very trendy. And I was so offended. I was like, I'm not trendy. I'm not conformist. <laughs> I was really, I was, I was, I was deeply offended. This, this, this word, if someone had called me trendy, it was like the worst thing you could have called, called me. So the, the reason I'm getting at this is what might happen is you might be doing a fundraiser and someone uses a non-offensive word to offend you. The other side of it is that the fundraiser can moderate their own donations. Sure. Um, or they, if people tend to have more than about 20 viewers watching, they will have their own personal moderators. People volunteer volunteer yeah. for this role to sort of moderate the chat and moderate the right. donations so they just take a button the donation disappears from the list but of course the charity still gets the money so okay. that uh, so the message the messaging the the offensiveness is is blocked so it becomes uh very wholesome and mm. and as a friendly place if that's what they want of course some people want the swearing but that's a whole well that's <laughs> right and i guess it comes down to what they want i mean do, do you get the sense of I mean, from other campaigns you've worked on, you know, like large fundraising campaigns that are being used by streamers, do you get a, a kind of, is there a kind of a, an idea of how many of these comments are being taken off of these platforms? How likely people minimal. are? Absolutely minimal. Really? So, so negligible. It, like, yeah. it's, it's not, it's barely worth commenting on. Because they it's know so that they're not going to, they might not get the response from the streamers if they put something offensive and... Yeah it'll just get taken off so they don't bother i guess that's the kind of thing exactly right? it's 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 a lot safer than the the thing the other side of it on the sort of like the the commenting stuff is um because you sort of mentioned a, a moment ago i just sort of want to touch on it because i think it's a really valid point about these youtubers who will have you know 20 20 million plus followers yeah you've got this great audience now there's there's two two really interesting things to think about in this space and it comes down again to recruitment and fundraising management which is um the the first side of it is if you do manage to bag one of these dream boats and they are dream boats we love them uh there's there's more than just fundraising that you can get out of it you can you can make them uh, promoters for your event. And we had, a, 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 we've got a couple of these, but a beautiful case study was at Christmas. Um, I'll use, it was, we've had some in the UK, but I'll use an American one as an example, which was uh, Thankmas, it was called. Jack Septicai, Google him if you're not familiar with him. Jack Septicai, yeah, yeah. one word. It was his birthday yesterday. Uh, not to give birthday idea Jack for yesterday. Um, with that, uh, 
he would typically do a fundraiser and raise a quarter of a million. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, that's pretty good, right? No, yeah, no one's yeah. no one's gonna go. Oh, is that is that all you did? Boo! <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. I like this guy. And a few years ago, he would probably do one of those. Uh, you know, every couple of months, mm-hmm. and and so and he would choose a different charity every time, and he would raise his money. The year before last, and also last year, uh, he changed the model slightly. Whereas rather than him fundraising on his own, he asked his community to fundraise with him, and that's right. where the game changed totally so he went from being the sort of course for a million pound fundraiser to the last event raised seven million wow and so was that that they were all doing their own separate kind of streams in conjunction with his so he did a one day stream i think it was december 11th or something of that again just google thankmas you can see it all yeah yeah um and then he reached out to his community you know he's got 20 million people (laughs) uh he's got some celebs in there as well so you'll have got a couple of famous people doing some pages that will have made their call, you know, one to 500,000 wow. uh, themselves. And then you've got this huge uh, swell of people who mm. just want to be seen, just notice, you know, they might they might only have 10 or 20 followers, but they're going to hiss a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it very quickly escalates. Uh, and then it's right kind of a movement, thing. isn't it? It's almost like a, a mini movement or, or campaign. That's, and that's... Yeah. That's where the real value lies. So, mm. so looking at it from that side is valuable. The other side of it, uh, I always like to talk about corporate fundraising in this space, just because uh, charities have a real uh, sort of a freebie, if you like. Because when you get these these fabulous people, there's um, again like uh, there's there's so many to choose from, but I'll so I'll just stick with uh, Jack Sepsky for now. When it comes to doing his fundraiser people want his audience. Hmm. So for a company to be able to make a charitable donation to this con- to this content, let's say they want to donate £50,000, right? That's, right. A, that's a sizable donation. Yeah. yeah. Now, if they wanted to reach that audience and have that much praise and acceptance on a social media post or a social media campaign, they're going to be having to spend probably four or five times that on the right. on the social reach that they're going to get and the viral clipping and the posting and the content sharing hmm. from a csr angle uh you know they might be doing these donations anyway uh but the conversation can be had to say you know we've got this content coming out we've got this event why don't you sponsor it and we again we saw this at christmas and we're seeing it just in the last month as well uh it started last year but it's, it's really cool where we're getting corporates that would have made their sort of standard £10,000 contribution. And they've said, yeah. um, can we instead split it, split it up, drop £1,000 on 10 different people's fundraising pages? And so you've got these 10 different people who are all roughly anywhere between 10 and 100 different people watching at any given point. Yeah. But the impact and the splash in the moment and the hashtag that they use, wow, this is yeah. organic marketing 101. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and significantly cheaper <laughs> yeah. than any sort of sort of standard marketing. So it well, becomes... it's, a, it's a win-win, isn't it? And Because I, I guess also then you're not spending money. And this this happens a lot with charities that, you know, um, they put a lot of time and resource and then money into kind of getting close to companies or supporting companies to do good. But I guess this sounds like a, you know, a full profit kind of way of doing it. They're, they're helping the company to get to a wider audience in support of their charity potentially, and it's not costing them anything. 
So rather than the charity, you know, coughing up a load of money to have an event where they're going to have a check presentation from the company supporting them over the last few years, they just say to the company, let's scrap the event. Let's not have the, let's not put money into canapes or whatever and use your money to get involved in this campaign that maybe we've set up because we've got some keen supporters who want to do it, who do it anyway, or because we've been working with our existing supporters, reaching out to influences. We've got this big event and give your money to that. So it's kind of a, that's that's the way to do it, right? Something I would recommend to anyone listening if they're still like, but why? But why are people doing this is um, you can just go onto our website and just like choose someone that's live at the moment. There's always someone live fundraising. Um, donate a fiver, see what happens, see how they react. And that's just a fiver. And then imagine that's a thousand pounds and you've got a big name behind you as well. Imagine yeah, yeah. what that reaction is like and imagine the reach it's going to get. And that's a, it's a really, there's there's a very, very creative, uh, and this is this is just the start of it as well. It's It's only going to expand. So how how is this style of fundraising? Do you think how is it going to change and evolve, and, and what are the opportunities um, that it kind of poses for charities of all sizes? Do you think the 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 things that I love to see is the uh, the breadth of creativity that comes out of it. This is personal more than anything, but the the. The, the ones that I see as most successful are much, again, you mentioned it earlier, um, it, it's it's fundraising 101. <laughs> it really is. Like it's going back to the core roots. What it allows is for charities to offer a broad brush to be able to say, you know, uh, jump for charity. You know, the word jump, you, you might think, oh, that just means jump, but it could mean a thousand things. It could mean jumping in game, or it could mean, uh, you know, jump over a problem, or I don't know, you can you can be creative. But yeah. with this demographic, with the likes of TikTok, we haven't even touched on TikTok, but that's for another day. Um, where with And all of these different things, you're allowing these content creators who by and large are very creative to come up with mm-hmm. their own ideas. What's really cool about our platform is you can dig into the data of how people are fundraising for you and then create whole activations. Now, there's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a tired example because I use it quite a lot. So it's tired for me, probably not for you. Um, it, was about, it was about 18 months ago, uh, a fundraiser did a post. If you donate 50 pounds, I will redraw your Twitter profile picture in Microsoft Paint. That was that was his whole thing. He was, he was live, just, just like you and I, like there was no, yeah. no screen sharing or something. And every time someone donated 50 pounds, selecting a specific reward, uh, he'd, he'd draw this, this like ridiculously bad Microsoft Paint version. <laughs> and a few things happened, which was super interesting. Now the charity had no idea that this was happening. Yeah. Um, he was just taking part in a regular fundraising event, but the charity after the event, because there were hundreds of people fundraising, like you can't keep an eye on all of these different fundraisers and exactly what they're doing. But afterwards you're able to run reports and because he had selected it, he'd made it like a, a reward feature. So you'd like buy it as if you're buying something of a shop, the charity was able to then look at the data, uh, look at what the most popular rewards that over these 1000 people that had fundraised were and suddenly saw this outlier. So rather than having to read all the text of every single person's fundraising page to work out why people are doing it, they can just click, look, oh, this one's had this one's had 30 donations of 50 pounds in like 20 minutes. What the hell wow. happened here? They nice. can then go and look at it, realize exactly what's happened and then create their own fundraising event out of it, which they did. 
and that's really clever. So they work with that fundraiser. And, and obviously, from a social perspective, that was really cool because everyone was changing their Twitter profile pitch so no one could work out why. There's a whole there's a whole really fun little thing about that. So I, I guess that's the thing. It's like this this space it creates is one where everybody can do their thing. And, I, and, and whether that's them being a good artist or a bad artist or a, you know, a great athlete or a poor athlete, I suppose it's just it's just engaging, isn't it? They're engaging with people that are interested in what they're doing or, or yeah. in them and, and that kind of conversation. So engaging is absolutely the key word. It's like uh, I, I love a bucket collection. I think they're, you know, they're, they're never going to die out. Hopefully I say optimistically, they probably have already anyway, but you know, you've got the, the person with a bucket yeah. holding some stickers, just flagging people down, smiling, maybe having a bit of a chat, really, yeah. really engaging yeah. as a general yeah. rule. You might have a chat, maybe even put more money in. Um, and it's kind of the same as that, you know, it's, it's a bit like busking. You've got the, the cameras on, uh, you've got your bucket, you're just having a chat with people. Oh, hey, Oscar, oh my God, you give me five pounds. Do you know what, for that, I'm gonna write your name on a post-it note and stick it on the wall behind me. That's fun. And now we're gonna fill up the whole wall behind me with post-it notes. It's interactive fundraising, yeah. thing, which, which it, like it, it's, this is the only way it can exist at the moment, at least. And uh, I, you know, there are some really freaking cool, cool things coming in the next 12 months that I can't talk about, but it keeps this model in mind. Well, we hopefully we'll get to talk to you a lot more then, Tom, so we can uh, pick oh, yes, your brains even more. And I know our audience really going to appreciate um, all the things you, you've said, and it's probably given them a lot of uh, food for thought on, on what they can do with their charities to to get more involved, I guess, with uh, with digital, but also with gaming and, and also with gamers and, and making sure that they're allowing good space for those people maybe already supporting them to, to do things like that for them. Tom Downey, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats. Absolute pleasure. Talk again. Big thank you there to Tom Downey for sharing his insights and expertise with us. The world of online gaming and the community within it, like other fundraising audiences, is not a monolith. Gamers are runners, they're regular donors... And they're volunteers, and we should not fall into the trap of, as Tom said, othering our audience. We shouldn't try and segment them out and speak to them as if their only interest is to game. It could be hard to approach fundraising by looking at the interests of those wishing to fundraise rather than trying to direct them to the user journeys that we already have. But many fundraisers, I think, would recognise that the most enthusiastic and ultimately successful relationships with donors and supporters that they have had has started with understanding that person and the nuances of what interests and energises them and tailoring what they have to say to that. As Tom said, gaming is a community space that brings people together. It's his, this audience which charities do and can have a relationship with. It's not the games, but the gamers that raise the funds and charities should stay true to their identity and ask gamers to get involved and fundraise for their cause. Reaching the community is something that can be done by charities getting to know their existing supporters and communicating with them in ways that suit them, with the age demographic of 18 to 40 year olds being more likely to game online, the Gen Z or millennial generations, Email is redundant. Charities, their staff, volunteers and supporters would do well to spend time in these relatively new communities helping to draw it together with their cause and to help drive a culture of giving within the community. 
Tom made some good points about charities and individuals making sure to be as inclusive as possible and recognising that the audience online is likely to be an international audience and to make sure to include the time zone in any marketing for online gaming events. Streamers are often at the leading edge of technology use and expect systems uh, that save them the trouble of archaic fundraising practices, for example live updating totalizers and other functionality, are becoming more mainstream and so charities need to think about which platforms they're promoting to encourage online communities to game and to give to them. For charities worried about what is said and done during online gaming events, there are censorship and monitoring devices on platforms, and like any event, it's always a good idea to measure risk with a risk assessment. But charities need to balance risk mitigation with the risk of dampening the enthusiasm, which can lead to substantial support for causes, which may well have been struggling a lot recently. Finally, Gaming offers a plethora of opportunities to engage or re-engage a charity's corporate supporters. The chance to bring your online gaming community in with your corporate supporters to amplify the benefits of both while raising more funds for your cause. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. Also, I'd like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye bye.